Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you with West Yorkshire Electrical, who will offer you a range of electrical services, won't they? Anything with wires in, they will take care of, whether you're in West Yorkshire, the whole of Yorkshire, or beyond the boundaries of Yorkshire itself. Been taking care of some of my wiring this week. If you were to score them out of 10, give, 10. Me, give is that an unbiased review? I actually gave them five out of five on right. Google reviews. Which they definitely deserve. Why is that? Was it excellent service? It was. It works. The yep. thing they did, which is installing an electric charger thing. It's got a nice app Specialists too. in renewables, we should say. It's got a nice app too, which I keep looking at because yeah. it tells me how much oh, solar power I'm generating. So I go, oh, look, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were on time. They didn't even accept a cup of tea or coffee because they wanted to get straight on with it. And they didn't leave any mess either. Because, right. you know, occasionally tradesmen leave your house and you go, fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Could have tidied up. Wouldn't have known they'd been there. Take your boots off before you go in the living room. That exactly. sort of that's thing. A, yeah. That sort of thing. No, it was absolutely, uh, absolutely spotless. Fantastic. I'm very, very pleased for you. Whole other range of services as well. Like so, uh, specialists in renewables. They've got the solar panels, got the EV chargers, battery storage, uh, CCTV alarms, all that stuff. All the good, all the electrical stuff. You know the stuff. West Yorkshire Electrical is the name of the company, and it's wyelectrical.co.uk. Uh, for details, look for them on socials as well. Right. Should we get into the show? We should. Shouldn't we? Um, Phil, unfortunately, we are going to have to start off on a very negative point. Leeds flying at the minute, but um, there have been accusations levelled at you, I'm afraid. Oh, go on. Anybody who's heard this week's propaganda will have heard this assessment of your of your work. So oh, go on. strap in and have a listen. What did Jamie think to Phil Hayes' <laughs> of the match? And lots of yeah. it was bullshit. Now, I've not heard this, so I don't know, I don't know what no. he said. So he's referring to Phil Hay, who's um, a writer for The Athletic um, who covers Leeds games. And I can't remember the exact wording that he used, but he, I think he said something along the lines of Leicester couldn't live with Leeds and basically implied that we were lucky to, to, to just lost it 1-0 and that on another day it could have gone on and been 3-4. and four. And I think I shared this just in utter disbelief at what I was reading because it certainly wasn't the game that I watched. Yeah, I think that's... I can only imagine that is written with some white tinted glasses on it. it, it, it they, they were in no danger of running away with the game at any given point. Um, and I know that it's easy to say that with and be accused of being biased the other way. But I mean, it's not like they were raining chance after chance. And Manson had one save to make of any note. Uh, you know, I, I didn't see that game at all. I think he was, um, I think he was baiting for a few reactions, should we say. And uh, I think oh. I was silly enough to give him one. Well, there you go, Leicester yeah. fans. Thank you to Leicester fan TV for the for the clip there. Um, I'm, the, I mostly do bait for reactions in Leicester. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the, it's the place above all else. Athletic, that I, athletic, notorious clickbait website. 
in Leicester. Yeah, mm. yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think, I'd have to go back and read it. I don't think it was suggesting it should have been three or four. It was suggesting... He, he took, that, that's what he took from it. Yeah, he said, certainly yeah. did. I think I did see him tweet me after the game, actually, although I didn't have time to reply to it, sadly. Is that but the one when you was... when you messaged me on WhatsApp said, "Look at this, dickhead"? Um, <laughs> I won't be replying to him, but that kind of was it. That one uh, it must have been, must have been. But I think it did make the point in the piece that Leeds were the better side, deserved to win, and they were. You would say that with your white tinted with glasses white tinted glasses, on. Yeah, beast and like David Haig. Yeah, I'm fairly sure that um, was it. Him or one of his cohort uh, tweeted something about. This is the problem where I think when what is it fans and journalists journalists mix something like that wasn't it like when <laughs> like so we love just, it so just needs to point out that you know he's not actually a Leeds fan Leeds um, Leeds were I think comfortably the better side yeah. than Leicester I think that was the point it's it's obviously been a bit of a bit of a sting hasn't it losing that game bit of a sore point mm. how were Hearts this week by the way so you went up to absolutely dreadful to see <laughs> yeah there's uh, there's a little bit of objectivity we are so average unbelievable I have to admit I did think that in pre season watching you but it's only pre-season yeah game. I mean I missed that game but a few people said to me including somebody around Leeds kind of said um, standard's not great up there is it <laughs> <It's> like, no. <laughs> no it isn't no yeah. it isn't however you still drive four hours there four hours back why not and Phil Hay not only clickbait journalist but model which we can come on to mm. in due course if you like you've been modelling for us multi-talented the, the forthcoming Christmas jumper um, what did that feel like you call it modelling it was a bit like loitering um, <laughs> in the Lowfields tunnel really wasn't it I did assume that you mustn't have had anybody else um, but I was happy to do it. I even shaved for it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how do you feel sharing a, a table with two models? It's, it's overwhelming <laughs> in, many, in many, in many, many ways. It's quite sexual, isn't it? In here, the tension, or the, 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 the oh. just the feel, the general vibe. You, could, you could cut it with a knife. The sexual tension. I'm feeling sat here. It's it, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's too much. There's a certain age where you can definitely only model certain things. Did you say there what, what I was actually modelling? It's the Christmas jumper that's not yeah. out yet. But we'll be out hopefully in the next week or two. We just obviously it's just dependent upon upon suppliers. But uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be white tinted here, but it's it's quite nice. Yeah, is it all right? Yeah, you, I thought so. Yeah, you'd wear it if we gave you a free one. But I don't know, go that far. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I would suggest that other people do. Uh, a way to go before Christmas yet. Then let's get into the actual football, which is it's Plymouth at home at the weekend. Should we touch before we get on to Leeds United themselves? What happened midweek at Rotherham? Because yes. that happened since we spoke last, which was the Rotherham 2-2 against Ipswich and more dropped points for Ipswich at the top, which does put them back within just about clawing, clawing in distance, I reckon, if we get favourable wins. Yeah, they they dug it out at Birmingham where it looked like they were going to lose that game and then rather threw it away at Rotherham where it looked like they were, they were going to win. But this happens a lot and will happen a lot. And I think even as Leicester found against Leeds, it's very, very hard to just keep ticking wins off time and time and time again. I don't doubt that there will come a period in the season for Leeds where it feels a little bit like that and it's it's not quite happening. I mean, I, I still think Leicester will be pretty happy sitting on an eight-point lead as it stands at the moment in the same way that Leicester will be very, very happy with 11-point advantage over third place. It's very much them who are in the, the positions of, of strength. But it does, I think, just make the gap above Leeds feel a little bit more easier to bridge. I think as it was to Leicester before Friday night at 14 points and, you know, potentially moving to 17 had Leeds lost that game. That feels absolutely massive to the point of them being out of sight. But they aren't quite. Ipswich definitely aren't. And hard to ignore the fact that on the horizon, we have got Ipswich at home just before Christmas as well. You said Leicester twice then when I think you meant Ipswich. But anyway, we got the point. Yeah, the eight-point gap is to Ipswich. Ah, the, sorry. The 11-point yes. gap is to Leicester. But My mistake. You just, you just confused them. I just Keep going. It's yeah. fine. So that's um, clickbait journalist declares Leeds United will definitely overtake... 
That's right. Ipswich that's Town. right. So the Sky dragged me on on Friday night actually, and somebody um, made the point that I said that Leeds had, I think, fourteen points from twenty-five games or something yeah. like that, as opposed to the other way around. But everybody knew what I meant. It's the old Alan Partridge thing, isn't it? You get the general idea. Yes, I was just going to say actually, though, two points from Birmingham and Rotherham, two games you would expect that Ipswich side to win. I think is. is it's, it's a cause for comfort. It's a cause for hope, isn't it, when it comes to Leeds? It definitely is. It's kind of the equivalent of Leeds at Stoke, though, isn't it? And the way that the, the Championship does routinely in, in every season ping these results into what other, are otherwise pretty good runs of, of form. I don't think... I mean, they're not going to be delighted at all with two points from um, from Birmingham away and, and Rotherham away, but I don't think they'll be massively concerned about that down there. It, it's funny because it's it's Plymouth this weekend and you've you kind of got the total contrast between... One team who have felt the the effect of impetus from promotion, and, and one team who haven't, and it's definitely not an exact science. Um, and there's a you know quite a, a stark contrast between the way that the two of them have, have acclimatised and, and adjusted to this division. Um, Ipswich will be will be happy with their position. Yeah, it's got to the stage of the season now. I don't know about you, but I've actually started checking fixtures now properly, rather than it just being now we're a third of the way in, rather it's annoying, than just, isn't it? just being seeing what, what's coming up. And, and I was annoyed with myself for getting properly invested in Rotherham versus uh, but, Ipswich yeah, on Tuesday. This is, this is the time though um, when you, you do start to do that. I think it becomes more relevant and you you, you fixate on it more February, March time um, and particularly April as you get to back in, especially if it if it is tight. But yeah, it, the, the reason for that though is because the division's actually taking shape and in August and September you get a feel for who's moving quite quickly at the top of the league but you're not far enough in to know whether you really need to stay up all night to see how, how Ipswich are getting on whereas at this stage you definitely do it's the yeah. hope getting ready to kill us yeah that's what it is <laughs> always baby it's that bit where you're going oh the brother have taken the lead we're basically up I did I did. I went on the full <laughs> I ran the full gamut on, on Tuesday you know Champions League could have you know could have been on my tally on the other side but instead I ended up watching that and cursing and saying saying some naughty words quite frankly when, uh, when Ipswich bagged what I thought was going to be a late winner but then for Rotherham to go back up the other end and uh, and just pop it in the top corner like that, I, I danced a little jig. Uh, and, you know, here we are um, in the championship looking at the fixtures and I have now started putting them on the prep sheet. So um, we've got Blackburn against Preston on, on Friday night. Uh, some interesting fixtures in terms of we have uh, Sunderland Birmingham is the is the early kickoff on Saturday. Then everything else is three o'clock Saturday. So uh, Leeds taking on Plymouth and at the same time move Ipswich got where are they on my sheet they are directly above us in the alphabet so they're playing Swansea interesting games all round a game of Leeds should win Ipswich will be hopeful they're going to win at arms to Swansea but I think out of the two we've maybe got the on paper easier tie a lot of very championship fixtures there it has yeah. to be said as soon as you get back down into this division the fixture list has the championship stamped all over it I reckon Ipswich have stuck around long enough to to this point to make it look as if they're going to be in the running um, for, for most of the season now. But these sort of games, Swansea for them, Plymouth for Leeds, are the bread and butter for sides who go up. If you look at promoted sides fixture lists, they tend to have won a lot of these matches and, and have made the most of them. And then you have the, the kind of critical six-point fixtures like Leicester away, which go one way or the other and, and are far more, well, far more unpredictable, I would say. But I think Plymouth coming to Ellen Road and Farker will Farker won't say this openly, but he'll, he'll be saying it to himself privately. Those are the ones that have got to be bankers um, for three points to keep you in, in a really strong position. And actually, since the end of August onwards, games that Leeds have been really good in so far. And the one that catches the eye as well, on top of that, obviously Leicester, they're travelling to Middlesbrough, who are on a bit of a hot streak now. Middlesbrough, they've certainly um, improved from their early season form, although... No wins in two, but they'd had like a like sort of five on the bounce prior to that, and they or six on the bounce, something like that. So that that will not be easy by any stretch of the imagination. I was going to say if we 
if we end Saturday with Leicester on 39, maybe 40 points, we breach the 30-point gap, fingers crossed, if we um, if we beat Plymouth, maybe Ipswich, do they drop a point, whether they do or they don't. If it gets compressed at the top, it then starts to look better, doesn't it? The feeling up there with Middlesbrough seemed to be that they had quite a bad summer when it came to comparing outgoings with incomings. I don't think the, the general view was that they had strengthened at all. In fact, it had probably weakened what they had in the dressing room. And they clearly had a really terrible start as well. But I, I know a couple of people up at Middlesbrough and there didn't seem to be any sense, even though they were bottom of the league for a while, that Michael Carrick was in major trouble there, particularly after how well it had gone for him last season. And somebody did say to me, I do think with this squad that once... Once Carrick gets a win on the board, it'll be three, four, five in, in quite quick succession, which is exactly what's happened. They, they've dropped points in in the last couple of games, which again is is going to occur. You know that that is how how it goes, similar to to Ipswich as well. But I think I think from this point they could be quite a threat um, to the top six Middlesbrough. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We're now getting to a point, and do you agree, where... You can pick Leeds United's best 11, there or thereabouts, I think. And the question that follows from that is, would you stick with it? The one that we saw with Archie Gray at right back still, would you stick with that starting 11? I think I probably would as much as anything because of the strength of Kamara's um, performance at, at Leicester. It's quite funny to think that Leeds were a little concerned about how he was going to be physically because he'd been basically completely out of the picture at Rangers. It was a case of all summer waiting to leave and waiting to see who was going to sign him and never really any any possibility that, that Michael Beale was the, the coach at the time at Rangers, but never any real possibility that it was going to be reintegrated. It always felt like it was going to be a partner of ways for, for the right money. But it hasn't looked like he's had a quiet summer. It hasn't looked like he's had a, a, an idle summer either. He looks in, in really good condition. And that performance at Leicester was too good to, to move him out of, of the midfield, I think, particularly because there's been a, a week, eight days between the two games. 
I think the 11 does pick itself, but right back is probably the position, isn't it? Because all of us kind of think that if Jed Spence was fit and available, he'd be playing there. If he'd been fit and available right from the very start, and I know he did make that, that short appearance as a substitute, but has basically been injured from, from that point onwards. He would be there. He would probably be playing pretty well. He would probably be as much of a fixture at right back as, as Byron seems to be on the left side of defence. So it's still going to be... There's still a decision to make there. It doesn't feel as if Farker is rushing to play Ailing at the moment. He seems more inclined to switch between Shackleton and, and Archie Gray. And obviously Shackleton was was injured um, for the Leicester game as well, had a glute problem. So whether or not he... I mean, Farker wouldn't commit to this afterwards, but whether or not he would have started is is interesting point, really. It might might well have been him in there. But I think, give or take, you you would stick with the 11 as it is. There's, there's evidently a decision to make on the right side of defence, but I, I still think good options there. There is obviously now the threat of Furpo to left-back, Byram to right-back as well. Well, this is the thing, you see. We, we were talking after the Leicester game about the decision to keep Byram on the pitch because it did seem like a risk and it helped that, firstly, he played better in the second half and was more in control of, of that area. But also the game changed slightly and, and Leicester's wingers weren't quite having the same run of things as, as they had um, in the first half. But I think it was a, a kind of risk either way because Furpo hasn't played for a long time now and, and we know what his form's been like over the previous two years. There was the risk that Byron was going to get a second yellow card, but it paid off that decision. And I think more than ever, um, and we felt this for a few weeks now, you know, Byron's the player that you need on the left side of defence. I still think that that's, that's an area of potential weakness if something was to happen. And, you know, January will come round quickly enough as it, as it always does. And the one thing Leeds aren't going to be able to do or have no reason to do in this window is to sign a lot of players because in, in various areas centre of midfield and it seems strange to say this because it hasn't been the case for a long time but if you added anything in the centre of midfield unless it was something really outstanding you'd be signing a player who's never going to play you know never going to get any minutes and the same probably goes out wide the same is probably true at centre back as well decent enough you know choice up front but full back areas number 10 I think you could see you could see the value of having a little bit more cover or a bit more to choose from in those positions and I think that applies to left back just while we're looking far too far ahead and fretting about promotion, do we know if Rodon has any kind of recall clause? Because I saw, I saw Spurs kind of capitulating this week and people going, yes. oh, what, what if he goes back? It was it was absolute carnage that on Monday night. <laughs> so the, it just seemed to be centre-backs being lost everywhere and control and marbles being lost all over the place. I've asked somebody about that and I've been told that no, he doesn't. Or the, the person I've spoken to who does have knowledge of the loan from Tottenham says to me he doesn't think that there is a, a recall clause in that for January. In a season-long loan, you can't just recall a player at any point. It is in the January window where those become active and they don't become necessarily become active for the whole month. If you go back to Charlie Creswell at Millwall last season, there was a very short period at the beginning of January where Leeds could have recalled him. They didn't and then, then it got slightly awkward because they were kind of wondering if with him playing not as much football as they would have liked to that point, if it would be better to send him somewhere else. I think Middlesbrough were, were quite interested in taking him. And then there were permanent um, options for him as well, including Stoke City right at the very end of the window. But there was no official right to, to recall at that point. What does sometimes happen is that a player will say, look, I want to go back, at which point it becomes quite difficult to keep them because you're essentially dealing with somebody who's not particularly settled and, and isn't going to be isn't going to be 100% for you. So you can have arrangements whereby the two clubs and the player agree that actually we'll, we'll scrap this. But I think the point with Rodon is that, firstly, it's the first week of November. So how Spurs look defensively now is not how they're going to look in, in January. 
And secondly, he's a long way out of the picture there. So whether in reality, oh, don't get me wrong, you know, in, in crisis mode, you kind of need all the bodies that you that you want um, or, or have to have. But Postacoglu would probably look at it and say, if there was an issue at centre-back, get into the market, sign somebody else. Um, so to the best of my knowledge, no, there isn't a, a recall clause in there. And even if there was, um, it couldn't be activated at this point. What about going the other way? There's been a, a rumour sort of gurgling under the surface of... Uh... Have you maybe joining us permanently in January? I don't think that's at all unlikely. Um, in January, I don't know about in January, um, but I think at some point in the future, given the way he's played, he, he looks like a, a very, very steady addition. I mean, when when Leeds first got in touch with Tottenham about him, they were told that he would cost 50 million quid. You know, that was his asking price. That's what they would have to pay. And Leeds said, well, listen, we just can't do that. So thank you very much and, and goodbye. And then Spurs got back in touch to say, actually, do you know what? You can just have him have him on loan um, for a season, which seems like classic Daniel Levy bartering. You know, if, if you can make money from him, then do. But if if you can't, or if you're kind of backed into a little bit of a corner with a player who isn't involved, then think again and, and be a bit more pragmatic about it. I would have thought the way he's played so far that it would be very much in Farker's mind as someone who would be, you know, an advantage to keep beyond this season. Um, he, he's, to my mind, he's, he's kind of on the same level as somebody like Ampadu, just looks like a really good signing who could translate pretty well with the right development to the sort of lower end of the Premier League. Just a follow-up question on us um, talking about Kamara there uh, and the lateness with which he came in into the window because we were talking about this on one of the other shows, weren't we, this week in the in the wake of that uh, that game against Leicester. Was he first choice for our midfield signing, do you think? Or do you think they picked him up as a, a second or third? And that's not, you know, in any way a value judgment on what he's done since, which has been fantastic. But uh, I did wonder if they waited and waited and waited, not just because of his fitness, but because they wanted someone else. I don't think it would be fair to say that he was second or third choice in the sense that there was somebody else outstanding who they, they desperately wanted. There were other midfielders who Farker would have taken and one of them in particular was Kenny McLean at Norwich who Norwich just weren't interested in talking about so that never got off the ground. He had worked with Oliver Skip before Tottenham midfielder who'd been on loan at Norwich in one of the years when they'd, they'd been promoted but that was never really an option. So again, if, if Spurs had said, look, Skip's available somebody they, they might conceivably have, have looked at. I think with Kamara, my reading of it and, and what I was told was that they were waiting and waiting because there was that slight concern about the fact that he had had no pre-season, essentially. You know, he hadn't been involved in the way that you would expect him to to be. Farkas' teams play in a pretty in- intense style. Training is hard. It demands a lot of you physically. So they had to be convinced, I think, that that, that was, that was going to be right. But I don't think... I don't think he was kind of like second prize, if you know what I mean. I don't think it was like that. I, I got the sense that they were just trying to be as, I guess, as sensible about it as possible and to to test the water a little bit before before getting it done. Just before we get into the Plymouth game in a bit more granular detail, I was just going to say, can we ask a favour of you watching this or listening to this? Go to the squareball.net forward slash vote because we've been um, shortlisted again for Club Podcast of the Year, which technically I think if you if we win it this time, we, if we retain it because we won it last year, the award's just over on the shelf. Was, though, I think it? it was Fan Media of the Year oh, was actually it? last year. They, you know, they just move us around Spread. categories. We're sometimes yeah. in that, sometimes in club podcasts, sometimes oh, in go. fanzine. Oh, I thought we'd, <laughs> I'd lost track, but um, we yeah. were, so, so, so many, many awards, so many awards. Can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we do, Phil, then that, that's partly yours as well. So, um, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, if you go to the square, smash it into three bits deliberately this time, <laughs> as opposed to yeah, far, accidentally. Far too heavy and girthy for that. Um, the squareball.net forward slash vote will redirect you to the survey. You can vote for us, which is in one of the questions. And then there are athletic nominees as well in there if you want to vote for them. Yeah, you're, you're Matey not, Matt Slater. You're not there though? No Phil? scandal. Yeah, why, why Outrage. Not? No, 
Is it, is it just a clickbait journal? It's, yeah. it's the white tinted aspect, yeah. yeah. It's just going to have to piggyback on our success again. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Easiest way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no <more> effort. <laughs> yeah, the squarebold.net forward slash vote. That will take care of it all for you and redirect you. Plymouth. And yeah, it, you know, we were saying, weren't we, the other day, that last season became such a grind because we were going into every game saying the same, the saying the same things. Like, come on, Leeds, you just need to win now. Come on, Leeds, you just need to win now. And I've realised, like, on the drive-in this morning, we're almost in a similar position again. Because mm-hmm. you look at the vast majority of games in this division, but it's, a, it's in a positive way. You look at it now saying, we should win this. Yeah, yeah, we abso- absolutely. This. At the end of every poddy, you're trying to bully me and Michael to say, are Leeds going to win? And I think Michael's answer of last week, oh, it was before the Huddersfield game, there's a chance. Uh, there's a good chance. There's a great one. Yeah, so we'll just keep that going through the season. But you're right, it's... It, we're saying the same thing week after week, which is that this should be within Leeds' gift to to take three points from. In the way that last season, going into every game thinking, mm, not sure really, um, and sometimes even less than, than not sure. The difference is that you enjoy it far more one way than the other, don't you? Yeah, and, and a newly promoted club that's in the bottom third of the division is one that you identify, as you said earlier, Phil, as a game you you just absolutely need to be winning it if you've got any aspirations of of getting up. So do we expect them to do what a lot of other teams have done, which is to come in maybe five at the back, play wing backs, sit deep and try and absorb as much as they can or do they try and go toe-to-toe with us? What do they do? It tends to be four at the back for Plymouth um, and Schumacher or certainly has been, well, he, he's been in charge and, and, and this season. They look a little light up front. I was just catching up on their injury news. They're, um, they're missing Ryan Hardy, who scored a lot of goals for them as they came up last season and, and has six, I think, this season as well, but is injured and I don't think will we'll be involved this weekend, which doesn't help them. I, I think they will. I think they will sit in and I think they will do the, the compact routine that we're we are used to and actually Leeds are, are getting very used to as well. I think the good thing from Farker's perspective is that Taking out August when it was all just a bit a bit of a mess, the only game that's really got away from them at Ellen Road is the, the Sheffield Wednesday game, which you suddenly fully expected them to win and they, they didn't. I think Cardiff on the first day of the season, you were kind of quietly hopeful, but at the same time, you were aware of what was going on in the background and how kind of underprepared Leeds were from a, a recruitment perspective. And likewise, West Brom, you know, you had the non-to saga around that which didn't help and it, it felt again like Leeds were quite exposed but going into the Wednesday game you thought they would win that especially because of how dreadful Wednesday were and, and it was a, an opportunity missed but I think you're always going to have games where you do miss opportunities like that the key is to make sure that they're fairly isolated and if you go through the form since and go through the home record generally then it has been pretty isolated that that day it's, it's kind of strange one looking back at it with hindsight because Leeds have been good at finding a way through and on that day, a really big chance for Ruta during it, but they didn't really look like making it happen. We feel like a different team now, though, don't we? I was just thinking it feels like a suspiciously long time since we lost at Ellen Road. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? It's been far too long. Still still unbeaten in the all-white as well, and I know we can't place any stock in these things, but it's, it is, remains true. Yeah. Unbeaten in the all-white kit this season. Not lost to a team in green. And also incapable, for a while. <laughs> incapable of winning away from home in, in any other colours um, yeah. at the moment, which is odd. Um, which bodes well for the reverse of this fixture later on in the season because they'll be in all green, we'll be in all white. Yeah. So three points guaranteed, I believe. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, we should be winning this. Um, and I don't think that's been arrogant or pig-headed to say that, is it? Um, it's a game you look at and I, I fully expect us to get three points out of this one. I expect us to have too much for them, whether it plays out like that 
Who knows? I don't know. Leeds always have a habit of coming back and biting you in the arse just when you start to get confident with them. But it, it feels like we're moving away from the yips rather than towards them, if that makes sense. I, I would say so. And it feels like they're in a flow at the moment. Um, I've written for tomorrow about the importance of retentions in January, which kind of feeds into the conversation about Rodon and others. Because last season and, and to an extent the season before just depreciated everybody's value, didn't it? The players' value, the squad value just dropped and dropped and dropped because the form was so poor. Nobody was playing well. The chances <laughs> of recouping big transfer fees for, for anybody diminished as time time went on this season's having the opposite effect you can see the value of individual players appreciating in some cases quite dramatically you know with people like Somerville I think even you know Ruter is now starting to look like he should have been pretty expensive and you've got Strike playing better we wrote about Melier this week who I know you're a big fan of the expected goals on target metric XGOT Game of um, Thrones. That's, that's the one but it does demonstrate how well or otherwise a, a goalkeeper is playing individually aside from you know taking out the, the factor of how appalling a defence is in front of him. And there's no way of pretending that Leeds were good defensively while Melier was shipping a lot of goals. But the fact is that the, the stats showed that he was conceding more than he should have done by a, a very, very wide rate last season. And, and again, it's not that he's now making a huge difference on that front. You've got other keepers who, Ipswich and Leicester have been two examples of uh, conceding, you know, far fewer than they should be so are actually helping results um, in that, that regard but Melier is far closer to par now and I think has just settled down and steadied and the way that, that Farker has steadied a lot of things at Leeds he's he's one of them you know he, he is now looking like he's, he's worth his place in, in the team again so when you get around to January it's, it's absolutely critical that you keep your key players um, and I think it's strange that in the summer there was all the talk of retentions and Leeds made a big deal about all these players that we want to keep, virtually none of whom they did. And the only one of note that they did, Nonto, was trying hard to, to get himself out towards the end. But actually, when it comes around to this January, I think retentions will be far more crucial than they were over the summer. This, the squad in the summer just starts to look like a squad that needed to be broken up. you know. And to an extent, you've removed the kind of association with relegation, I think. It, it feels like a different squad and, and a different dressing room. But they are in a flow, and you're right. You know the, the the yips don't seem to be there in the way that they were previously. And the last thing Farker will want in January, and I don't think Leeds will let this happen. But um, the last thing he would want is to lose players who you know would losing them would, would seriously disrupt what he's doing. Interesting interview with um, Brendan Aronson he did on the Athletic with your colleague Stu James this week, where he's touched on the, the relegation, the failure. Even he's mentioned his physique, which we, we've often laughed at him being a bit, a bit weedy and going down too easy. But it's all, it's all touched on in the interview. And um, I just found it interesting that he was definitely leaving the door open to a return to Leeds, you know, if things all go right. I can't see it. Do you know, I, I've, I've, I've always seen Aronson coming back, potentially. I don't know well, why. I, I, think he, I think he will come back. It's not going at all well at Union Berlin, and not just for him. I mean, they they kind of... They're a, a very sort of level-headed club, and not not from what I know of them, not particularly knee-jerk. And they they haven't done anything drastic um, so far. But the the form is is completely imploded in comparison to last season. You know, they they they're, they're getting beaten on all fronts um, at at the moment. And it well, they did draw to Napoli, didn't they, in the Champions League? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, but these are very much like isolated isolated bright spots in what has otherwise been an extremely difficult season to this point. So it hasn't gone great for for Aronson over there. So, at the end of this season, I could certainly see him coming back in the sense of him being Leeds player again and, and them having to work out what to do with him. I, I don't know. Do, do you, 
last season was so bad and, and you could tell from some of what was being said in the interview that it was affected him psychologically. I think that was quite quite obvious. I just wonder whether I just wonder whether that bridge has been burned slightly. Do you think? Perhaps he I think if there's been a redemption for you know, Melier, if he, it's not that it's redemption, but if his form's improved and he's got over those. But, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? I, I think that Aronson falls into the category of players who was very, very quick to go um, at the end of last season. Well, and, even even mentions it in the interview that he yeah. had to, to continue his development. He had to go play in the Champions League and in Bundesliga, which yeah, doesn't yeah. really help us get out of this division, does it, pal? No, and given that you've played a quite a, well, I, I, Aron- Aronson seems to, to my mind, to get a kind of disproportionate amount of criticism, given that so many players in the squad underperformed and en masse, it was just, you know, it's pretty terrible from, from start to finish. And certainly as the season went on, I don't think you can categorise Leeds' relegation as being Aronson's fault, but he, he certainly played a part in it. And I think he's probably more representative of the way in which Leeds' recruitment just did not work, you know, in which they made mistakes with signings who needed to do X in the Premier League ended up doing Y and as a whole the, the, it all just, just fell, to, fell to bits so that's the difference between him and, and Melly is that he like others actively saw himself leaving after relegation and I think that probably does make it make it tricky if you're going to keep him and reintegrate him you have to be convinced that on the basis of a season at Union Berlin he's far more suited to the Premier League than he was last year the, the one thing Aronson can do is cover big distances he's very physical in that sense got good stamina but he didn't cope physically with the division you know he wasn't robust enough to stand up to it I don't think we saw enough in the way of good performances from him to make you think yeah he'll definitely be an asset if they go back up beyond that he's got to fit into Farkas system hasn't he you well that was my next question yeah, I was going to say could you see him in a Farkas side given how he plays with and he plays relatively narrow in the in the forward spaces doesn't he does does Farkas so um, obviously with the, with the Red Bull background it, it might come a second nature so does he just need coaching he does but you don't bulking up and coaching you couldn't say in any way that Farker plays with fundamentally central midfielders or number 10s in the wide areas like the players who are playing out wide for Farker at the moment Nonto Somerville Dan James uh, Jaden Anthony you'd class them all as wingers wouldn't you they're not number 10s they're not don't get me wrong they could probably adapt into that role but they are quick they're pacey so whether it's you know crazy amounts of width like Bielsa or reduced amounts of width, but still some of it with Farker. You've got wingers out on, on the flanks. Aronson, to my mind, is more of a central player. So if you're asking where he would fit in a in a Farker system, it isn't going to be in either of the two deeper midfield positions. You know, he's not Kamara, he's not Ampadu, he's not Archie Gray. It would have to be at 10, wouldn't it? I think it was comprehensively proven that you can't really play Aronson as a false nine or, or anything like that. So he'd have to, he would have to be the 10 and he would have to prove that he's good enough. I think Phil has been professional and analytical about this. Go on, Michael. But I think what he means is fuck him. Right. <laughs> don't, <laughs> we don't need him anymore, which is my opinion. Clickbait journalist. He <laughs> <laughs> just didn't, he didn't show anything that suggests yeah. he, he's good I ju- enough. I just I think Leeds United are the sort of club that are not minded to, to give themselves a problem, is the right, probably the right way to describe it, of having a £25 million asset that they don't know what to do with, that they might as well try and make it work if you like which is a which is an imperfect solution but I could see it and I and I do wonder is there a place for him within the squad let's say perhaps where if we were to get back up so you know there are steps for us to overcome yet before this even happens you, you his agent no what, and what 
this is this is analytical discussion, Michael. This is high level football chat. It's not just fucking like Phil says. I just wonder: is there a place for him where he maybe gets reintegrated, but he comes off the bench, which I think he should have been used a lot more in that way in the first year. Do you know? So he's more of a, just a squad player, and he's more peripheral. Yeah, he's peripheral at Union Berlin. He's not making any impression there. Really, he did ten minutes against Napoli in the Champions League. I, I have to say, there came a point last season where it felt as if he for his own good it would have helped to have taken him out of the team he wasn't playing well he wasn't in form it, it felt like he was being exposed over and over again in circumstances where it was only going to lead to criticism and I, I don't doubt it'll have had a, a pretty horrible impact on him you don't want to come to the Premier League and, and for it to go like that and to find that A, the team you're with get relegated and then B, you're having to, to move on elsewhere and, and that it, it really really hasn't worked out I mean, my understanding of what went, what went on in the summer was that Leeds had no way of keeping him because he wanted to go and he had one of those loan clauses which meant that he could so um, it was an easy deal for Union to do but they were happy for it to be a loan rather than permanent because had it been permanent they probably or almost certainly could not have recouped the money that they paid to Salzburg for him but they were hopeful that further down the line if he had a good season in the Champions League if he had a good season in the Bundesliga that actually they could recoup that money and and perhaps make a little bit of a profit if you know there was a, a sort of spectacular turnaround I guess from a FFP perspective, that might be a consideration again. But if you go up into the Premier League, you're probably able to to manage that um, far better than than down in the Championship. I don't know. I mean, you you're right. I think if if Aronson was to play better, then as a squad player, you could see some value in in having him. But I don't know. It feels it feels a little bit like that ship has sailed to me. Fleetwood next year for him. <laughs> <laughs> no fancy Champions League for you anymore I mean, I, I, I'd go further than that and say that of the players who are out on loan I'm really not sure how many of any of them will see it at Leeds again no Rasmus Christensen Barrow no, well, <laughs> that is beyond Fleetwood you're right yeah actually. just keep sending him <laughs> yeah. to these towns on the East Coast <laughs> West Coast, West Coast sorry <laughs> yeah uh, yeah no no, I do tend to agree but Aronson is and as I said way back when Aronson is the one I could imagine because he's still young and he's got his development in front of him was the one that you could maybe see them trying to reintegrate him if only because of the cost of, of his Look, transfer I mean, ha- but, Harrison know. seems like the one to me and I, again I don't know where Harrison would be with that whether he'd want to come back whether he'd see himself somewhere else but he was you know I know I know it was ups and downs with Harris, Harrison but it was also in periods very consistent you know consistently steady he seemed to me like an, an asset I mean They've got Sinistera down at Bournemouth, but given the reasons for him going on loan and the, the sort of threat of legal dispute in the background, again, can you really see that smoothing over? Hang on, where are we sending Sinistera? So on the West Coast, um, up beyond Lancaster. Morecambe. You've got Blackpool, Morecambe. Barrow, Southport. <laughs> got a few what, options there. Formby. What about go large and do like Stranra or something like that? Further up, yeah. Yeah. He could get, get the ferry over, couldn't he, to, um, to Belfast from yeah, Stranra, have a jolly nice time. Go to the, the, the Titanic Museum that's there. Yeah, anyway, it is, yeah. I feel like we've got way off, gone way off piste <laughs> uh, once again with this one. But yeah, I was going to say it's a conversation for another day, isn't it? But I was just intrigued by what you thought on the basis of the, the interview this week, where he's, he has held his hands up a little bit and said, you know, he'd put himself under too much pressure. Form wasn't good enough. Let the fans down, let the club down. Please it, have it, me back. It, it was notable that he did say he didn't think it was done and dusted. I mean, it is the prudent thing to say when you're on loan, isn't it? because you don't quite know how things are going to going to work out and you don't know if you're going to get stuck at a club um, where you've said things that you shouldn't and and it becomes a problem for you. So I think he was diplomatic in that sense. It, it All I would say is I think it's quite a long road back to the point where Aronson is a, is a big player at Leeds. We, we shall see, shall we? Who's going to be a big player on Saturday against against Plymouth? Then one to watch for that game? Um, 
I would watch what's going on with them up front because, as I say, they are really, really short of, of options and particularly with, with Hardy missing, it doesn't seem like they got much in the way of a, a full armoury. So you would hope that Leeds would have it in them to um, keep Plymouth contained. So I think one to watch is, can Leeds bank another clean sheet in this one? We shall see. And um, we will also just add that we are recording this Thursday morning ahead of you going up to Thorpe Arch, so we don't yes. know if there's any new injury concerns or anything like that. So if they've come to light, then put all this in the bin. Yes, <laughs> yeah, panic. And we shall mm-hmm. see. Be nice to see if Junior Furpo can make the bench again unscathed. I suspect he will if he's fit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but it's Byron for left back at the moment, isn't it? It is, thankfully. Right, we'll we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Then get back together on Monday, heading into the international break again. Phil, just say as well, good luck, Leicester. Always been a fan, obviously. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Even more so. Big Leicester yeah. guy. Yes, take off those those fox tinted spectacles. They, listen, they will go up, and I think they'll win the league. You heard it here first. Leeds-hating bastard, Phil Hay, <laughs> says we've no chance of catching him. Right, we will wrap it up there. The squarebolt.net forward slash votes to go vote for the uh, for the FSA awards. Uh, vote for the Athletic if you like. We'd definitely vote for, for us because this is our show after all. <laughs> Who else is in the running? For this? Oh, other Some people. Some chumps. <laughs> I, think, I think it's important to work out whether there are any other strong contenders that what, people might su- rather vote for. What, are you suggesting that Leeds fans might want to vote for? Ooh, I don't know. Let me have a look. The Anfield rap. Mm. One of them. I know the guys from Anfield Rap. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Who else. I'll, I'll tell you, I've got the web, the web page open. I could have left this open, but no, I like the challenge of trying to open it and do this on the fly. Uh, Club Podcast of the Year uh, 1912 Exiles. Good. Podcast from the. Um, the um, yep. Ars Blog, which is self explanatory. Fulhamish, also self explanatory. Anfield Rap, us, and Under the Abbey Stand. Will that be Cambridge? Cambridge. Yeah. yeah. Presume 1912 so. Exiles. Newport. Oh, goodness. The 1912 Exiles. That's the where I believe we're sending Diego Llorente next year. <laughs> <laughs> that is west of here, you're right, yeah. Thanks for joining us on this one. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 